pick the short stand. That's not going to work. So I got myself all messed up here this morning with all of this stuff. I'm one of those people where I can't think if stuff is like not the way I need it to be. So I should have thought this through. So hopefully you can bear with me as we do this this morning. Uh, One note that I want you to be aware of uh, for the weeks to come is we are going to start, after this week, we're going to start going through... uh, Peter's letters to the church. So a lot of times it's it's very helpful for you to be aware of those things so that you can start reading through those things uh, before you get here. I would encourage you over the next few weeks to be reading through Peter's letters to the churches. Just read them over and over. I heard one guy, I don't remember who it was, my brother was telling me, the guy said that the best week of his life was the week that he read the book of Ephesians 56 times. Uh, and what the point of that is that you know we can read some we can read things in the word of god over and over and there are times that we've read something you know 50 times and the the next time that you read it it just comes alive to you and something else jumps out that you've never noticed before so uh just over the next few weeks be reading through the <clears throat> peter's letters to the churches i don't know how long we're going to be in those letters uh it it might be 3 or 4 weeks it might be a couple months i don't know uh, we'll see what what God is doing, but uh, we're going to be at least three or four weeks, I would say. Uh, so, <clears throat> Luke chapter two. I'm sorry, I had one note that I wanted to write down, something I wanted to say before I forget, uh, and I will forget. Luke chapter two. We're going to start in uh, verse 22 today. Um, so this is. Uh, after Jesus was born and uh, uh, <clears throat> he was presented at the temple in those moments, uh, the Word of God, or God had instructed in the Old Testament that, uh, uh, that the children would be presented at the temple. And that was what was happening here in this moment. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 22, is where we're going to be uh, today. Uh, it says, uh, When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to, the, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, meaning Jesus. Uh, as it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for the revelation, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marvelled at what was said about him. Uh, so, what is happening here is uh, they are taking uh, Jesus to the temple to be consecrated before the Lord, as they were instructed uh, in the Old Testament law. That's what they were supposed to do. So they were they were doing all of that, and they they came into the temple, and there was this man Simeon, and and he was waiting 
the Bible says, for the consolation of Israel. And what we want to talk about here today, I want to look at the life, just these moments, what the, the Scripture mentions about the life of Simeon. There's not a whole lot about him in the Word of God, but these few Scriptures here, these few verses here about Simeon can be very revealing about the Spirit of God and his work in our lives and what we should expect uh, as the Holy Spirit is indwelling within us as believers. Uh, so uh, the Bible says that he was a... Uh, he was looking for the consolation of Israel. And consolation, it's, it means comforter. That's what that word is meaning. That's what he's talking about there. When he's looking for the consolation of Israel, he's looking for comfort. Uh, so he was a righteous and devout man, full of the Spirit of God. He had a desire to see uh, comfort come to God's people. Uh, so over the last, uh, since, we, since we had Riley, um, I, I was thinking along you know, a while ago, I, I would like to have more pictures of some of the things that happened when I was younger. There are a lot of things in life that uh, I never really had pictures of, and, and I would like to have more pictures. So I thought that I would document some of the things that happened in her life so far. And this picture is one of the things that she will be very proud of, I am sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so she was... Uh, uh, she had some intense moments at that age. And uh, it, it's amazing to me, though, uh, the comfort that comes to a child sometimes just just when uh, you pick them up, right? Uh, a child's just looking for comfort. They may not need anything else. They just don't want to be by themselves, especially the mother. There's, there's always something, a, a great connection with the mother, right? So when the child is looking like that, <laughs> Uh, the mother usually knows what to do. I, I'm, I'm learning from Jamie uh, what to do, but she knows better than I do. But uh, it's amazing to me uh, how comforting a mother can be or any parent to, to a child when you're, when you're a loving parent. Uh, and so everybody, though, everybody is looking for comfort in this life. In some way, everybody is looking for comfort. Uh, in all of the things that we experience, every one of us experiences some sort of pain or sorrow or loss, uh, death. We, we experience financial things. We, we experience things where uh, I, I need comfort for this. Uh, we, were, we were back in Pennsylvania. We still own our house in Pennsylvania, and we're renting it to Jamie's brother and his wife are renting our house, uh, and they, they want to buy it here in the next uh, year or so. But we were at the house. I was working on the house. That we left at 11 o'clock yesterday morning, and by 4 or 5, we had a picture message of an inch and a half of water laying on the basement floor. <laughs> so <laughs> I needed a little bit of comfort in that moment uh, from frustration. But anything like that, there are lots of things in life that we are looking, uh, for which we are looking for some kind of comfort to, to ease pain or suffering or whatever it is. Uh, the problem is what we do to try to comfort ourselves. Uh, some people will try to comfort themselves by acting like there's no problem at all. They'll just ignore it, right? If I don't talk about it, I act like it's not there, then eventually the problem will go away. So we just act like nothing's even happening. Some people will uh, get upset and they'll push everyone away from them. There's problems around me. Sometimes they're the source of the problems, but they will push everybody around, around them away to try to comfort themselves so they don't have to deal with it, right? Some people will uh, seek comfort in anything from substance abuse to uh, sometimes food or even finding comfort in their own misery, right? There are people in this life that are not happy unless there is some sort of 
some sort of issue. There are some people that just think something has to be happening around them, and if it's not, they will stir it up, so there will be a problem. So some people look for comfort in misery. Uh, but it is there are countless ways that we search for something to try to comfort ourselves in this life. Uh, but as Christ left the earth, as he was with his disciples in the upper room, as he was praying for his disciples, all that we see from John 14 through the 17th chapter, uh, we talk. We see Christ talking about the comfort that he was going to to send for his people. So John 14, uh, verses 16 through 17, it says, uh, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives in you and will be in you. Uh, so God would send an Christ would send an advocate to help us and be with us forever. Uh, so as Christ was leaving, he was saying to his disciples, "Don't don't worry, don't uh, don't think things are falling apart here. I'm going to send someone to be with you, to walk with you, to dwell in you, to give you comfort, to give you peace, to be an advocate for you." So Christ thought of us when he was leaving. He was going to send uh, the Spirit of God to dwell within us. So the Comforter is available to us now. So we, we, especially as the people of God, better understand that we have to figure out how to uh, seek comfort in the Spirit of God dwelling in us rather than all of those ways that we try to comfort ourselves. And inevitably, when we try to comfort ourselves, it leads to turmoil around us. Right? I mean, you think about a marriage relationship when, when you are, um, when you try to comfort yourself in one of those ways where you try to just ignore problems and act like it's not there. That doesn't last very long, right? Eventually, that's going to cause some problems. Uh, so, trying to comfort ourselves will cause problems, but seeking the Comforter, He is available now, and we're going to talk about that more here, but. Uh, so the Comforter brings peace to us in the midst of all the things that we encounter in this life, but he also brings other spiritual blessings. Uh, all things are available to us now, and this is, this is I know I've said this before, but I'm probably going to say it over and over because it's so important. Everything that God has said, all the promises of God, are available for us right now as we sit here. Everything that he is, everything that he has said, everything that he has promised, his character, his person, everything that he is, is available for us to step into right now through the Spirit of God. It's all there. And I've said this before, but Andrew Murray wrote uh, an amazing book called Humility. But he talks in that book about, uh, about how humility is the root of everything. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But he talks uh, in that book, he kind of likens this to being at a storefront. And you're, you're looking in through the window and you see all of these things inside the store that that are available to you, but we never get to the point sometimes as Christians of actually stepping in and accessing all of the things we see. So as spiritual people, we're looking on and we're seeing that well, the, Spirit's, uh, the Spirit's able to bring comfort. Uh, Christ said, come to me all, all, all you who are weary and burdened. All of those kind of things that Christ said, we see those things, but sometimes Christians will go their whole lives and never experience it. Because you're just looking through this window at all these things that are far out there and you think it's just some distant thought, some sort of uh, theory of what Christianity is supposed to be, but you never actually experience it. 
It's because we have to step through into the place where that is available. And that comes as the Spirit of God is dwelling within us. We will never access those things. We will never be comforted. We will never have peace. We will never have joy. All of those things, that will not be within our hearts if we don't step into the Spirit and cultivate a heart where the Spirit can dwell within us and work in us and and bring all of those things of God to us. That's what Christ was saying. All of the things of God, we can't step into God outside of Christ being our mediator in the Spirit of God, helping us to know Christ and have access to Him. So the Spirit of God gives us access to Christ who is standing at the right hand of the Father, being our our, uh, mediator between us and God. And then all of the things that God is, is brought through them to us. It only comes as we dwell with them, as we walk with them. So the point is, if we are not allowing the Spirit of God, if we're not cultivating a life where the Spirit of God can live within us, then don't expect all the things of God. Don't be surprised when we don't have goodness. Don't be surprised when we don't have patience. Don't be surprised when we don't have peace or or, uh, joy in the midst of suffering because that's not something that comes from us. That's not natural to our hearts. That comes from the Spirit of God working in us. Now, I'm not saying that all all at once you're going to be all of those things. Sometimes it takes a while for the Spirit of God to cut away things in our lives. Sometimes, I've always said sometimes there's... Sometimes we look at somebody and we see, you know, I don't know why that person never changes that in their life. They, they have this thing that seems to hinder them from so many things. Whatever it could be, you could think of countless things that it could be. And sometimes it's just because people just don't want to do the work to change it, to allow the Spirit of God to change it. That's, sometimes that's what it is. But sometimes God is dealing with this issue here so he can get to this issue. So what I'm saying to you is that there are times in our lives where we have to allow the God... Well, all the time, we have to allow the Spirit of God to search our hearts so that He knows where we are at and the things that need to be transformed within our spirit. But that will never happen. That's not natural to us. Everything that God is, uh, is only experienced through the Spirit's indwelling power within us. So I want to look at just some of the three things that we see in the life of Simeon here that, that uh, are manifest in his life through the Spirit dwelling in him. So the first thing is that the Holy Spirit's uh, active in our lives leads us, number one, to desiring to serve our king. Verse 29 says, Sovereign Lord, this is Simeon talking, he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. So Simeon characterizes himself as a servant of the Lord. Uh, so, you know, that might sound, again, like a, a kind of an elementary thing for a Christian to, to uh refer to myself or think of myself as a servant of the Lord. But the first thing is sometimes our actions would prove otherwise. We may say something over and over, but if you analyze your actions, a lot of times our actions will prove we're anything but a servant. A servant. I mean, Paul said, I am a bond servant. I am a slave. I am a bond servant. Now consider that. How many of us would ever take on that title? I am a bond servant. That means that all that I am is God's for him to do whatever he would with it. And that's how I think of myself. But that's where we should be. So the Spirit of God dwelling in us leads us to the place of being a servant of God, desiring to be a servant of God, and being joyful as a servant of God, because I understand everything that I have is from Him in the first place. You understand, it's, it's just like Romans 12. Uh, the beginning of uh, Romans 12 talks about, uh, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's the King James Version says, you present your bodies to God as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. This is your reasonable service. What does that mean? 
That everything that I am, everything that I have, I lay on the altar before God. My talents, my time, all of my abilities, everything, I lay on the altar before Him uh, daily. I make a decision when I get up in the morning that I'm going to lay myself on the altar before Him because that's reasonable. It's reasonable because of what, of, of what He has done for me. It's, a re- it's reasonable to do that because I understand that there's no way that I could have gained salvation myself. It's reasonable to do that because I understand that I was dead. And that was my sentence, was death. There's no way I could get out of that, aside from Christ paying the penalty for me. So it is a reasonable response then to lay myself, all that I am, on the altar before God daily. And that takes your conscious decision. Uh, so the first thing is that if the Spirit leads us to uh, desiring to be a servant of God uh, as a reasonable response. Then uh, considering it just a simple honor to serve our King. Now, how many times... Have we ever heard Christians talk this way? Psalm 84 says this, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. And he says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God. If I just got into the point of the lowest servant in his in his kingdom, if I got to that point, I would be happy. I would rather take that than dwell in the land of the, the wicked. But this, you understand that that is not natural to us. Without the Spirit of God dwelling in us, that is not natural. Our desire is for us. I talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. We have this kingdom within us. And nobody's going to offend my kingdom. I'm going to defend my kingdom. That's my natural tendency. But it takes the Spirit of God coming in and dethroning me and taking me to that place where I understand to be a doorkeeper in the house of God is better than me having my own kingdom in this world. That is what we should be seeking, but that's what the Spirit of God brings. It doesn't, it can't, it's not something that Christians, just because I have the label of Christian, I can't gain access to that sort of desire myself. It takes the Spirit of God working in me. It takes my pursuit of Him, allowing Him access to cut away the things of myself. That's what it takes, cultivating that relationship with Him. Uh, so the Spirit of God leads us in a desire to serve our King. Uh, so the second thing then, the Holy Spirit active in our life leads us to a place of expectation. Verse 25 says, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was actively looking. He was actively waiting for the consolation, the comfort that was coming from God. He was looking for that. Now, I'm not talking about coming to God with expectations in the terms of demands. A lot of times we come to Him with those kind of expectations. We have these things, God, this is what we're going to do as a church. You bless it. I love how Henry Blackaby, if you've ever read his book, Experiencing God, he talks about that a lot. He talks about how most of the time in churches or as Christians, we come up with the plans, then we ask God to bless it. We've got it totally backwards. And he says the the best thing that we could do is go to God and say, where are you working and how can I meet you there? Where are you working? Show me what you are doing. Show me where you are. Who are you working in? Where do you want me to go? And then I will go after you reveal it to me. You see, it's the same way sometimes in our own personal lives. We go to God and we have all of these expectations. God, I, I need you to do this. I'm praying for this, but this is how I want you to do it. This is what it has to look like. And if it doesn't look like that, then I'm not going to be very happy. We come with expectations. 
What the expectation I am talking about is just simply the desire to go into the presence of God and expecting then as I come to him faithfully that he will do something. I don't care what it is, but I know that if he does something, that's better than experiencing nothing. Whatever he does, I will consider it a blessing, and I'm happy with that. So I come to him with expectation. I come to him knowing, based on the promises where it says two or more are gathered, he is there. That's what I expect. I expect that he he lives up to those promises because he says he will. But if he has promised those things, I can come together with two or three people who have their eyes fixed on him, whose desire and aim is to glorify God. If that's what their desire is, those few people, I can know for a fact that God is there. I can expect that. And then whatever he blessings he would desire to bestow on us out of that, we are pleased with that. Uh, but he, he had expectations. Uh, he had an expectation that God would move. He had seen the promises uh, uh, in the past. Uh, he, he had seen through all of the prophets uh, what they would say concerning Christ to come. But just even few of these, Isaiah said, Therefore, uh, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And we'll call him Emmanuel. And then uh, in verse 9 and 6 it says, For us, To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So Simeon, in that place, he was looking at the things that the prophets of God were carried along by the Holy Spirit to, to, to uh, speak these words of the coming Messiah. And he looked in that and he believed. You understand that when we have faith, that means to have a believing response to the promise of God. That means that God spoke. I believe he is who he says he is. And I'm going to respond out of my belief that God is who he says he is. And that's what Simeon was doing. He looked back and he saw these prophets of God who said all of these things. The prophets that said he would be an everlasting father, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. And he saw those things and he said, I believe and I will act according to that and i will wait and i will expect because god will fulfill his promises so god promised and simeon acted psalm 5 3 says this in the morning lord you hear my voice in the morning i lay my request before you and wait expectantly the king james version says i lay my request before you and i will look up so the hebrew phrase here meaning waiting expect expectantly uh, means basically to look around, to view from a distance. And the same wording is used in Isaiah 20, 21, 5 uh, for the phrase, uh, watch in the tower. So w- the point of that is when he's saying, when the psalmist is writing that, he says, in the morning, Lord, I lay my request before you and I wait expectantly. The point he's getting at, the wording he used there, basically would, uh, if you study this, is, is basically talking about one who would be up in a watchtower looking out over the land. Somebody who is waiting up there, looking out over the land. So you can imagine us as spiritual people. If you think about that in spiritual terms, we get up in the morning and we lay our quest before God and we are in the place where we are looking out over the horizon, looking, waiting expectantly because we know that eventually God is going to honor the prayers of his people after his will. He's going to honor the things that we lay before him. We are waiting expectantly, looking out. I can, I can look out over the land because I know that God will eventually follow through in all the things that, he've said, that he has said. You see, sometimes as the church, we have these prayers that we lay before him, and then we kind of cower in the corner and think, well, yeah, I don't know if God's going to do anything ever. I prayed this, but I don't know that God's ever going to do anything. You see, sometimes he might not do it the way we want, Sometimes the answer is no. 
Sometimes we don't experience anything from the prayers that we offer to God because our heart's not right. Sometimes we don't experience anything just because we don't believe He is who He says He is. We don't really believe in prayer that much. The Bible says that we should pray without ceasing. You cannot read the Word of God without an understanding and not gain an understanding that prayer is vital to a spiritual person's walk. You cannot have a relationship with God if you're not a praying person. I, I, I don't think that's possible. I really don't. Now, I'm not saying that you have to wake all of a sudden as a Christian, you get saved and you've got to be a person who's praying four or five hours a day. That's not what I'm saying to you. You understand that prayer doesn't have to be a complicated thing. Sometimes we make it way more complicated than it needs to be. I am not in any way telling you that you've got to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and pray for two hours before you go to work. I'm not telling you not to do that. If you want to do that, that's great. You understand, though, how much time sometimes we waste. Even sometimes we have a 15-minute or 20-minute drive to work. And what do we do? We get in and turn the radio on. And the last thing that's on our mind is prayer. I'm, just, I'm simply telling you that sometimes we have to stop saying, I don't have time to do that, and figure out how I can adjust. Even though I have to work, even though I have to do this or that with my family, I can, I can take 10 minutes when I'm driving to work to pray. I can take that 10 minutes to focus myself on God. That's not taking anything away from my day. Too many times we have excuses rather than figuring out, I have all these responsibilities in life, but how do I adjust these things to be able to pray? You understand that even when you're at work, you don't have to, you don't have to go to a prayer closet to pray. I mean, you, we, we should. I'm not telling you not to do those things. We should. There should be moments where we get alone with God, away from everything. There should be those moments. But I'm telling you that we need to be people who understand, even when I'm at work, even when I'm in the grocery store, whatever it is, I can be a person who's praying. What I'm saying to you overall in this crazy last five minutes of saying this over and over is there is time for you to pray. There is time. I don't have time is not an excuse because everybody has a few minutes to pray. So the Holy Spirit in our lives lead us, leads us to a place of expectation. And the Holy Spirit leads us to a place of peaceful confidence. Uh, verse 29, Simeon said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. You see that there, there today is not much of a... There are not many subjects that will elicit such an uncomfortable response or insecure response as truly talking about death and trying to understand it. Uh, that makes people very uncomfortable. There are times that we totally avoid talking about death, especially with children. I'm not telling you that we need to sit down and talk to children and be gruesome and tell them terrible things about death, but it's a reality of life. At some point, we better figure out how to prepare our children to understand that death is there. It could come at any moment. Sometimes we don't do that because as adults we don't think about that. But in the midst of that moment, the joy that was in Simeon's heart said, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. The man who would spend his life looking on the promises of God and watching over the land to see the day when God would fulfill those promises had peace 
and joy in his heart to the point where he was fine saying, I am ready to go. There's nothing left in this world for me. There's nothing left. And I can have joy stepping over into eternity. You understand that the preliminary to to a departure from this world like that, in that peace and joy, is a true sight of Christ and having rest in Him. It's pretty difficult for a heart that is consumed with turmoil to be able to step peacefully beyond into the next world. Psalm 116.15 says this, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His faithful servants. The Hebrew word for uh, precious is yakar, meaning costly as precious stones, honored, respected, beautiful. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. So when someone on this earth who has honored God with their life draws their last breath, that is something that is beautiful in the sight of God. Why is that? understand what glory God receives from the life of a person who was a vile sinner who his son washed clean through his blood and the Spirit kept him to that final day and he draws his his last breath with his eyes fixed on the kingdom of God and the glory to come. You understand what glory God receives in that. That is why it's precious. That is why it's a joyous occasion. It's difficult for us to lose someone who who has walked beside us. That's difficult. But it's precious in the sight of the Lord when that person who honored Him and committed themselves to Him, the person who said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell with the wicked. That person, that is precious for them to draw their last breath and be in His presence, knowing that they never could have been in His presence, had it not been for His Son. That is why it's precious to God when that person dies. So what I am telling you today, that number one, death has nothing to fear. If we are walking with God, it's difficult for the people that are left behind. That's never going to be easy for us. But it is nothing to fear because it is precious in the sight of God. So the Spirit of God dwelling in our lives leads us to a place of peaceful confidence. And Joyce is going to come and carry, and we're going to close here this morning. But how do we walk then in the Spirit? How do we make our hearts a home for the Spirit of God? You understand that the, the first thing is the simplicity of obedience. Just the simplicity of obedience. How do we how do we make ourselves cultivate a heart that that is a, a home for the Spirit of God? Just simple obedience. And again, I'm not telling you that somebody who gets saved today, we're going to throw the Bible down in front of them and say, "Obey everything that's in here, and you'll be good to go." I'm not saying it's always going to happen that way, but what I am telling you that is that whatever God reveals to you, if we are honestly seeking Him, if we are honestly pursuing Him and God is revealing something to us, that we figure out how to apply it. And if I mess up and don't apply it well, I figure out how to apply it. 
and I've said this before and I'll say it again, but what I'm saying is that so many times we hear things as Christians. We hear things or we read things or we get Bible verses of the day. All of these things we read and hear. We're inundated with information. And something speaks to our hearts. And the problem is the next day we're on to the next thing. Rather than figuring out, what do I do with this? God spoke to me through this. How do I apply it? How am I obedient to this? And when, I'm at, when I am obedient to it, then God will continue to reveal. He will continue to transform our hearts as we are obedient to what He is revealing to us. So the first thing uh, is we walk in obedience. Uh, then we make it a, a, a daily priority to seek the Spirit of God in His presence. And I, in Exodus chapter 16, this is the last thing I'll say. Exodus chapter 16 uh, we, go, we see the people of Israel coming out of, of the land of Egypt and they're, they're walking and they start complaining because they don't feel like they have enough food. They don't have all the things that they need. And they are starting to get upset and they actually, we've, we've talked about this before, but they say multiple times, we wish we could go back to, to Egypt because of all the things we had there, because of the food. We wish we would have died there. All these things, they're complaining uh, to Moses and before God. So Moses, or God sends uh, uh, the manna and the quail before the Israelites, and, and every morning they get up and they have this stuff laying out there for them to take. And God says, take what you need for the day. That's it. Take what you need for today. I don't want you to take it anything else. Take what you need for today. And some people, of course, didn't. And the next morning they got up and it was rotten. The point is that God was giving them what they needed for today so that tomorrow they would seek Him. And you understand that that is one of the issues we have as Christians is that we... Take, we try, we, we have an experience with God and, or God says something to us and we try to make that last for the next 15 years. Rather than seeking God, rather than understanding, there are some of us that have experienced God doing something absolutely amazing in our lives. He did something amazing that was totally beyond us. And that is awesome and that is something that we need to remember. But the problem is when we get 15 years or 20 years or 30 years down the road and we're still hung up on that. I'm not telling you to forget what God did. We have to remember it. But the problem is that's not enough to sustain me to eternity. The point is that God did that, but He wants to do more. He wants to give you something new today, and He wants to give you something new tomorrow. He wants to give you something new the next day. It's always something new that He wants to give you. He doesn't want to deprive you of anything. God doesn't want to deprive you of what it takes to carry you to eternity. He doesn't want you walking through this life spiritually empty. I'm not telling you that there won't be difficult moments or dark times, but He wants to give you what it takes to get to eternity. But the point is that you have to seek Him today. You have to seek Him tomorrow. You have to seek Him the next day. It takes our thought, our careful attention, and not try to store up things in life, but to rely on God to give me what I need for the next day. Before the service, uh, the Spirit of God brings comfort. That's the point of all this. The Spirit of God is available to us to bring comfort. As, th- this morning, before the service, we were just ending worship uh, rehearsal, and, and I was getting ready to walk out, and uh, I, there were a couple people in here praying. 
and they were playing the music. It was just just instrumental music, old hymns. And I felt something that was so peaceful and comforting and calm. And I couldn't leave. I had to go back there and just sit. I just sat there. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was me or just for me. I don't know if the other people felt that, but I am telling you in that moment, it was an awesome comfort. The point is, the Spirit of God brings comfort to His people when they are obedient. When people pray, when they stop and fix their eyes on Him, He will comfort His people. I wasn't looking for that. I didn't know that was going to happen. I don't even know what it was. I'm assuming it was because of the obedience of a couple people who were willing to pray. And the last thing, I promise, is the last thing. I am not, I don't want you to ever get the picture that I am telling you that now after this service you better be a super Christian. You're never going to. You're never going to fail or you're never going to forget to pray. I'm not telling you that at all. What I'm telling you is that we make a decision to start on a journey of growth with God. I start today. And my goal is that next week I'm not the same person. And you're probably going to stumble in that walk. Probably going to stumble. But you get up and you figure out how to keep moving forward. And you might stumble again and you get up and figure out how to move forward. What I'm saying to you is that we have all of these things of God available to us, but it takes us stepping into it and walking towards it. I just don't, I I want you to understand that we are progressing towards Him and walking towards Him. I I just don't want you, sometimes we talk about these things and somebody's like, "I, I don't know how I could ever be that person. Because God makes us who He wants us to be as we walk with Him one step at a time. One step at a time. So, will you pray with us if you have anything today? If there's anything that you need to deal with, with God, come up to the altars. If there's anything, maybe you don't have something you need to deal with spiritually. Maybe Maybe you feel like you are moving towards God. Maybe you're just joyous and thankful for what God has done. Come and pray. Pray in your seats, whatever you want to do. But just take the moments to focus on God as we sing together.